0: pray, God, that we would have ears to hear. And Lord, I pray that we would learn more about what this walk of faith is all about. I pray, Lord, that we would follow you with all of our heart. And Lord, as we look at Enoch, as we look at this issue of walking with God and pleasing God, I pray it would be so real to us this morning. I pray, Lord, that we would understand this, God, not just from the sense of Old Testament history and who this man was, but Lord, I pray that this would mark our lives, that this would be the people that we are by your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you got your Bible this morning, if you'd open up to Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11. And I've entitled this this morning, A Life That Pleases God. A Life That Pleases God. We're gonna start by reading verses five and verse six. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. As I was looking at this passage, I don't know about you, but sometimes I read a text and I'm thinking, how in the world am I gonna come up with material for that passage? And sometimes preachers say, well, I could take, you know, 10 verses. There's a lot of material in the next 10 verses. We could take the entire hall of faith. And I'm always amazed, and uh, I I, I literally stand so many times in this pulpit on the shoulders of, of spiritual giants that have gone before us. I can't tell you the amount of men that have mentored me from a distance that I've never had the opportunity to meet. And and I, you know, I've told you before about different ones, and I, I try to quote every time I use source material, but I, I can't tell you how much I was enriched and really began, it really began to open up a pathway to open up the text to me in a way that really became alive. And this this morning, what we're gonna do is we're gonna observe five aspects or five observations of. Enoch's faith. Five observations of Enoch's faith as we wade through this text. And before we even do that, what I want to do is look at the passage in the Old Testament where we learn about Enoch. So in order to do that, we need to go to Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. And what we're going to look at this morning is in Genesis 5 as... Moses is giving the line of Seth. We come down into verse 21. And all kinds of information pops out in the text here. It says in verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years. We'll go back to verse 18. Let's just, get, let's just start from the beginning. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Now, again, remember something. Before the flood, have you ever noticed how there's a lot of life? You know, uh, I was laughing because I heard one guy say, you know, uh, it's amazing to think, I mean, Methuselah lived 969 years. And, and Enoch lived a long time, 365 years. Can you, I mean, that's amazing. I'm 48. And if I'm Methuselah, I've only got about 900 and... Well, I can't do math that quick. You get the math, all right? That's a lot. So Jared, we're 962 years, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God. After he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters... Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, one thing that we got to be reminded of, because we just read in our text, go back to Hebrews, I want you to see something from the start. In verse 5, now notice Genesis 5 says that Enoch walked with God. But the terminology is going to be different in Hebrews 11. In Hebrews 11, it says, By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Now, notice something there. In Genesis account, in verse chapter 5, we see that Enoch walked with God. And the author of Hebrews seems to be leaning on the Septuagint. The Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, okay? And in the Greek translation, it takes it and it makes the word pleased. He pleased God. And so here's what I want you to see from the get-go. The only way to please God is to walk with him. We can't please God apart from walking with him. Now that immediately offends a lot of our religious flesh because religious flesh will seek ways that it can offer up ritual that has nothing to do with walking with God. Can you relate with me this morning? You see, you can go to church and not walk with God. You can even read your Bible and not walk with God. You can go to Bible study. You can be a part of FCA. You can do anything and everything you can come up with that involves aspects of the Christian life and not walk with God. But here's what we got to see. The only way we can please God is by walking with him, walking with him. So this morning, the first part of this that we are going to observe about the faith of Enoch is the backdrop of his faith. Number one, the backdrop of his faith. Now, when we look at the backdrop of his faith, we have to consider several things. Brian Borgman helped me out immensely here. He's living in a dark world, a dark world. It is crazy. I mean, I've said it a lot, so I can't get on you. But how many times have we said over the last five years, wow, the culture's going crazy the culture's going crazy, everything. I want you to be comforted by something. The backdrop of the Old Testament is not some utopian of people loving and worshiping God. The backdrop of the Old Testament are people in rebellion against God, right? Are people that are living, going after their flesh, going after their own desires, That's the backdrop of the scripture. So when we think about how am I gonna live as a Christian, how are my kids gonna grow up in this craziness? Well, just like everyone who ever has known God by faith. And for a moment, if we think now we are on the wrong end of things because we have it so tough, we need to be reminded. And I say that to myself, not to you. I sometimes just lose perspective. Perspective. lose it completely. What was the consequence of the fall? You know, the consequence of the fall was very severe. And what did God say? Uh, In Genesis 2.16, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And what happens? Death enters the world. As Romans 5.12 says, when one man sinned, sin entered the world. And so we've got this whole, like, this culture, this backdrop of the fall, of depravity, And now we see in motion the promise of God. And what did he say? We've seen this over and over, but I hope it's drilled in our heads. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, this is exciting. A lot of people have called this the first gospel, the first gospel of the Bible, because it's a promise ultimately to Eve, It's a promise given to Satan. It's it's, it's a prophecy given to Satan, but a promise to Eve that ultimately God in his grace is going to redeem what's happened in Eden. God is going to redeem, and how's he gonna do it? He is going to bring the offspring of the woman, the seed of the woman, ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And how in the world... Can a man like Abel, can a man like Enoch be justified by faith? Because I believe with all my heart that what happened to Abel, I believe with all my heart that Eve said, look, honey, there is a promise that God has given me. There's a promise that God is going to bring a redeemer through my line. And Abel knew what he knew, but not looking back to the cross, he didn't know about the cross, but he looked towards the promise of the Redeemer who would come through the line of Eve, and he believed God. He believed. He looked into the future, and as a result of faith that God had given him, he stood on that promise, and it affected the way he lived in the present, and it affected the very way he worshiped God. He lived differently. Unlike Cain, who brought whatever he wanted to bring Abel brought the best of what he had because he was living, motivated, and compelled by faith. You see, this promise here, though, involves two different lines. I've often wondered, how, what is the offspring of the serpent? And I think what you have going on here is that he speaks about a spiritual offspring. There's this battle This cosmic battle going on in Genesis between the spiritual seed. Now, there's going to be a physical seed. The Galatians says it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ, but there's this cosmic battle. It's still going on today between the spiritual seed of the serpent and the spiritual seed of the woman that's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? It means there's going to be people who reject the ways of God. And who is the first person who is evidenced as being a part of that spiritual seed of the serpent? None other than Cain. He's not a man that would bow before God. He's a man that would reject God. You see, in this room today, we've got two different types of spiritual seeds. We've got those that are of the spiritual seed of the devil and those that are of the spiritual seed of Messiah. And those that are of the spiritual seed of Messiah are those who by the grace of God are compelled to walk by faith. But those of the spiritual seed of the serpent, they have no desire to follow the ways of God. They will rebel against him and come against him in everything they ultimately do. You see, that's exactly the problem and the backdrop of what we're looking at In Hebrews, when we study Enoch, there's two different seeds. And I want you to see something that is absolutely astonishing to me. One of the things that happens as a result of being a part of the fall is that Cain, this is one of the saddest passages, I think, in the Bible. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod east of Eden. Things are not the way they were intended to be. Man and woman are not in the garden. They're east of the garden. They're not where they need to be. They're not where they're intended to be. But the fall has changed everything. We get into Genesis, and we see this culture of sin, and we see the line of Cain. And there's a guy that comes in the line of Cain, uh, Lamech. If I'm saying his name right, just act like I am. Lamech. I should have said it, I told you, just say it confidently and people will think you understand it. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. And and in verse 24, I I didn't get it on the slide, let me find it real quick because I need to read you verse 24. In Genesis 4.24, it goes on to say: if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77fold. This is a culture of death. It's a culture of sin. It's the spiritual seed of the serpent usurping what, what's God's rightful place of authority. And now they're living, and this is the culture, and this is the backdrop of the faith of Enoch. The backdrop of the faith of Enoch is a dark, dark world. In fact, we get into Hebrews chapter 5. This just amazed me looking at this. And, And you get into, I thought about this passage almost immediately. You get this idea of like, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And look at this, y'all, this morning. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And and what you have to see is that this is a time period that is so marked by the love of the world, just like it is today. Some things never change. You, you get into the, uh, you're looking here this morning, we're in Genesis 5, you go 4 into 5, and then you know what, what happens in chapter 6 as we get into the flood, and what happened? The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil Continually. What happens though, I want you to see this. What's phenomenal is you get into chapter 5 and read with me in verse 1 and 2. Chapter 5 of Genesis. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. But notice what Moses does in verse 2 male and female, he created them and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. Now look at verse three. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. I do not think that's by accident. Notice the change of the wording here. It doesn't mean that we're not ultimately made and then created in the image of God. But what I think is happening in verse three, it's showing us the effects of the fall the effects of the fall is that he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. And you say, well, what in the world? It's as if you're reading this. Now, Now, I found this fascinating. And when I, when I first saw this, man, I, I was amazed. I'm just amazed at the text. You get into a, I think it's Genesis 11, verses 10 through 32 If you want to look real quick, we may be here till three. We may get through half of a verse of Enoch. Look at this, though. In chapter 11, verse 10, I want us to read some of this uh, genealogy. And I want you to see something, and you're not going to see it until we contrast it with chapter 5. But look at chapter 11, verse 10. These are the generations of Shem. When Shem was 100 years old, he fathered this guy, Arakshad, two years after the flood, And Shem lived after he fathered Arabshad Shad 500 years and had other sons and daughters. Now, now if you read verses 10 through 32, it's all going to look like that very same way verse 11 is written. There'll be one lives 35 years, he fathers this person, and you see that over and over and over. But there's a dramatic difference in chapter 5 that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, brought upon Moses to write this differently. And it points to the backdrop of the faith of Enoch. Go back to chapter 5. You say, what in the world is going on with these genealogies? Why would you refer to them? Well, look at this. Verse 4. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years and he had other sons and daughters. Verse 5, thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years. What's the next phrase? And he died. Verse 6, when Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Then all the days of Seth were 912 years. What's the next phrase? And he died. Verse 9, when Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 850 years and had other sons and daughters. Then all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. Genesis 11 doesn't do that one time. But in Genesis 5, the chapter that focuses on Enoch, it brings about the reality of death. You got to see that. You have to see this because you go, why is that so significant? Because look at the passage that precedes verse 21 in Genesis 5. We go to verse 18. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years. And what's the phrase? And he died. But now... There's a man on the scene named Enoch, and he did not die. What's going on? I'm glad you're asking. What's going on? You see, but I want you to see that we are in a culture of the effects of the fall, and there is death, and there is death, and there is death, and there is death, and there is death on, over, and over, and over. It's amazing because even in this passage, you see this city. You see this city that Cain built, named after his son. It says in verse 17 of chapter 4, Cain knew his wife. She conceived and bore Enoch when he built a city. He called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. This is a different Enoch at this point. But what I'm pointing out here is, is I want you to see that Enoch walked with God and Enoch lived by faith in the craziness of the world, in a world that loved pleasure, in a world that loved selfishness. Do you think Cain built a city to honor and worship God? No, he built a city that was made after his own inclinations. I was reminded of this, but Augustine writes about the city of man and the city of God. The city of man is built according to man's desires. The city of God is based on the eternal promises in Jesus Christ. This morning, I got a question for you as we get started looking at Enoch. What typifies you more, the city of man or the city of God? What are you pursuing this morning? if you were honest with yourself and honest with your life's pursuits, where are your goals? What are you living after? The city of man or the city of God? Is your line more consistent with the serpent's spiritual seed or that which is marked by faith that comes through the grace of Messiah? I pray this morning all of us would say, dear God, I think even if you answer that and say, I don't want to be a part of the other, you may be like, I don't want to be a part of the loves of the world. I pray that our heartbeat would be, God, would you reveal to me anything that I need to see in my heart in my life as a Christian that I need to submit before you in, in a different way this morning? It could be this morning, friend, that you've never come to saving faith. And the reason why your spiritual life is stagnant is because it's dead. It could be the reason why there's no traction in your spiritual life. It could be because you're a part of the spiritual seed of the serpent, and there's no traction because there's no life. Whatever it may be, it's sort of like we said before. You know, I've said before, if the shoe fits, wear it. The Holy Spirit, aren't you thankful, speaks specifically, speaks in a way uniquely, in a way to minister to our hearts and lives. He brings conviction where it needs to be brought. He brings encouragement where it needs to be brought. But this morning, where we all need to be is in a place of saying, God, would you show me what you want me to see? I remember years ago, my father, uh, it was such an honor to serve with him. I learned so much. And, and I, I value those years. Uh, I remember there was a college ministry while I was there and, and, and I remember there was frustration because the college ministry was acting in a way that really wasn't any different than the world for a period of time. And, and what was interesting was the name of the college ministry was counterculture. And I remember my dad looking at me and saying, that's odd because that ministry looks nothing like counterculture. It looks no different than the culture of the world. So why are we calling it counterculture? So I think one thing we got to look at when we come to Enoch is, are we going to look and consider, am I willing to be counterculture? If I'm willing to be counterculture, I'm going to have opposition because the seed of the serpent cannot stand the spiritual seed of Messiah. Do we understand that? I'm telling you, there's going to be confusion, there's going to be persecution, and you're going to stand out like a sore thumb in the eyes of the world. I had an interesting thing happen to me on Friday morning. I, uh, I had this horrible sound in my Honda. Awful. One of those that, like, if you're in the car, you're like, what is that? You know, one of those people are like, I'd leave a parking lot and people would be looking at me funny. <laughs> Like, what's up with your car? It's pretty funny, because I mean you could leave anywhere Walmart, subway, wherever you're at, and you back out and people stop and they have this crazy look, like they're just irritated, annoyed and horrified. Well, what it was I needed new brake pads. You ever heard that sound? when it's basically like, "Look, you hadn't changed me in forever. And now this is it. And if you don't change me, you are responsible for all damages that happen. And so I went to a place on Willow Street. Way down there, Russ's, I think, I called around, looked on, you know, I looked on Google, who does breaks, and it was Friday morning early, and he opened early. Never been there. He did a great job. Went down there, and I stopped, and I said, hey, do you got a place in the lobby I can sit? He said, yeah, man, I got plenty of room. I was like, good, I'm just gonna hang out with you, because I don't have a ride. So I went down there, and I walked in that lobby, and that place was packed. I mean, you couldn't have got more people. It was breaking every pandemic rule of the century, you know? It was like, there were people stacked in there, and I was like, man, I can't stay in here. I was like, I'm, I thought to myself, I'm going to walk it. I'm going to walk it. Now, I had gotten up that morning, and I've been in a bad habit lately. I don't shave all week until the weekend. And, uh, and, and I, had, I was scruffy. I had to get up early to take Luke somewhere. I was wearing jeans, a sweatshirt that really didn't fit me. My hair had not even been thought about being brushed. And I just looked rough. And, and I got into that place, and I had to go out to my car. My dad had all these backpacks. He had tons. He loved them. It, one of the funniest things about cleaning out his stuff is, like, I'll be like, Dad, you didn't need all these bags. He had tons of them. He would buy bags all the time. And he had one that I sort of liked, but it's huge. It carries a lot of stuff. So I'm, I'm, I had that bag in my car, and I got to carry my laptop and some other stuff. I put it on my back. Well, now I'm walking down Willow Street. And it's sort of misty out. It's early. And you should have seen some of the looks that I got. And I was like, this is sort of cool that people don't understand what's really happening. And I'm walking up, and I'm like passing unclaimed baggage. And people are, they're like, man, did the pastor lose his job at the church? I don't think anybody knew I was the pastor. But I have a feeling there's a couple that had like whiplash looking back at me. Well, I got up there, and you know, that cemetery cuts to the right. I walked through the cemetery. I'm carrying that backpack. Walked all the way up by the armory or whatever that place is called. Cut over to the left, the dog about scared me to death. I mean, I looked like I was roughing it. I looked like Ann had kicked me out of the house. I looked like I had my clothes in a backpack and I'm just walking through Scottsboro. And it hit me, I was walking. And as I was walking through, I was chewing on this sermon about Enoch. And it was this, I was reminded, it's like, look, if you're gonna walk with God and walk by faith, prepare to be misunderstood. They'll never understand you. You're gonna look as crazy as I did walking through Scottsboro with a backpack. People look at you funny. I'm telling you, it's like, I remember my sister when she was 16 and she began to seek to walk with God. You know where the, uh, a lot of the persecution came in our life? From the youth group. We've gotten so used to thinking that the walk of faith is the exception and not the rule that when people, even within the church, begin to walk by faith, oftentimes the very ridicule and the persecution they receive comes from within the walls of the church. And I tell you that not because I'm seeking to you know, give you a secret message. By the grace of God, I'm not seeing that happen here. But isn't that the way we're all tempted to act in our flesh? You know, Enoch is a man that we're going to look at. He's living in a culture. He's, he's on the edge in just a few hundred years of the flood. And here's a man that is pleasing to God. He's walking with God. He's living after the heart of the Lord. We see the backdrop of his faith, but we also see the blessings of his faith. The blessings of his faith. Look at verse 5. We saw it already, but one more time. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. The first obvious blessing that you see here that just is amazing. It's it's the word he was translated. It, It means that he was here one moment and the next moment he was gone the only other man in scripture that had this experience was in the Old Testament was Elijah Elijah and Enoch were the only ones that experienced this and and he walked with God I I, um, I heard one pastor use an old illustration and it was the idea of like a uh, it'd be like it'd be like a little girl playing with her friend and and she's out, and they're playing, and they're walking all over the countryside, and the little girl looks to the other one and says, hey, you're closer to my house than your house. Why don't you just come on home with me? It's the same picture you get with Enoch. He's a man who walked with God, and he walked with God, and he trusted God, and he believed on God, and he went after the things of God. He, He thought it more important to please God than to please the world, he thought it more important to seek after the things of God and to seek after the things in his own life, than to seek after the things of his friends, than to seek after the cares of the culture, than to seek after all that line of the serpent, to go after the ways of the world. He wanted to please God, and he literally was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found. I love that. You, can you imagine the trauma of his family? when they realized, where is he? God had taken him. God had taken him up. God had taken him and he was gone. Um, You know, the first blessing is, is an obvious blessing. It's the story of Enoch that has fascinated the church for its history. It's the fact that here's a man who was pleasing to God and by the grace of God, God took him up. But but I want you to see something. With that being the obvious portion of what we focus on in Enoch's life, understand that the passage we looked at in Genesis earlier, what did it say? You know, it talked about in verse 24 of of chapter 5, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. It's interesting, because in verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah, and then it says, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years. Some have taken this to mean that this was the point in his life where ultimately God did this work that you know he'd gone 65 years and then this is the part where if 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 Enoch was with us and he was given his testimony that would be pretty remor- pretty remarkable. Um if he he might say look it was after a you know 65 that something changed, that God's grace ministered to my life and and there was a different course. I was looking and listening to MacArthur on this and it really helped me because one of the things he mentions here is he says, don't forget. He's like, don't forget. There has to be reconciliation in order for one to walk with God. God doesn't just say, hey, anybody wanna walk with me? Why would you say that, you may ask me? Well, Amos says, in chapter 3, verse 3, do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? How can two walk unless they're in agreement? And the, and, the, and the question you would follow up with in observing this text is how could Enoch walk with God unless there had been reconciliation? You don't just go and walk with God, you have to go on God's terms and you have to experience God's forgiveness. And you have to experience God's imputation of righteousness. Where my account, you've had it happen before. Your account's in default mode. And if I ever bounce bounced checks, I don't do it just one. I get like six in the bunch. You ever had that happen? Y'all are too, too organized. But your, your, your account's in default and you had seven charges on your debit card that were $3.29 that we're going to charge you $35 for. Awesome. That means... The six charges that were four dollars were twenty-four. Now are going to cost me over two hundred, and I've had it happen, and I had it happen, and I told you this many times in college. Dad, I need to be bailed out. I've got a default count, and what did I need? I needed a transfer. I needed a transfer from his account to my account, and the only way that we can walk with God in the history of redemption is when there's that exchange and that transfer from a holy God into a sinful man's account, and that only happens on the basis of faith. It Didn't happen because Enoch was a good man, and he was organized, and God looked down and says, you know what, I like that guy. He's a religious guy. That'd be a great guy. It's like, you know, rivals or recruits. He's a four-star. He's the eighth godliest man over here. Let's get him out. He'd be a great person. I like him. No, that's not the way it works. It's not of works lest any man should boast. God takes those dead in their sin and by grace through faith, again, looking towards the promises of Messiah, they're justified by faith. Enoch comes into right relationship with God, and Enoch begins this walk with God. You know, the question this morning, are you in right relationship with God? through Jesus Christ? Are you here this morning, and you're thinking, no, you don't understand. I'm a pretty good person. You don't understand. I'm good people. I I do right things. That that doesn't matter because the holiness of God shatters all of our visions of self-righteousness. But the good news of the gospel, friend, today, if you're here, is that Jesus Christ justifies those who are sinful through his grace, through his work, we experience forgiveness by trusting in him and his work alone. And so what we see here is that We've got this walking with God. The first blessing we see is this tremendous blessing. He goes into the presence of God. That's the overarching story. But another blessing that we see is that this is a man who walked with God. This is a man who pleased God. Now, I want you to think about this. What does it mean? I was listening to one thing and it blew my mind. We often say, well, the Old Testament is the God who's mean, and the New Testament God is the God of grace. Well, I, it, <laughs> Did you realize that, it, that, that God walked in the cool of the garden in Genesis 3.18 and Adam and Eve were there and that was right at the turning point of sin, but we see that picture. We see Abraham walking with God, called to walk with God in, in, in Genesis 17. And it, it's so much fun because you realize the grace that's happening. You got grace to Adam and Eve. God could have been just immediately to literally, the wages of sin is death. And God could wipe Adam and Eve out immediately. But then we see the grace and the promise of Genesis 3.15. Do you realize there was even grace given to Cain? There was a mark put on Cain. Nobody could take his life. That's gracious of God. God didn't have to put a mark on Cain. Why did he do it? He's a God of grace. What else happens? God raises up a line, the line of Seth. And what did God do? God demonstrated grace in raising up Seth. What else did he do? God gave grace to Enoch to follow him and walk with him. We're going to see it over and over, but I challenge you, when we think about the account of Genesis and all these people we look at in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, don't forget, it's God's abundant grace that's shining through the pages of Genesis. What does it mean that he walked with God? Think about this. Think about being described like that. If we die tomorrow and and two years from now, somebody's saying, hey, did you know old Joe? And they say, oh man, that was a man that walked with God. What does that mean? I mean, here's a guy who loved God. He desired to please God. He followed God. He depended on God. He desired to go the way that God desired to go. I think this is a good picture in Psalm 16. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. I really get the sense that that's what's happening with Enoch. You know, this was a lot later than Enoch's life, but God revealed to the prophet Micah, he has told you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. But I want you to think about something this morning. Enoch walked with God. What does it look like for us to walk with God? What does it look like for us to walk with God? I had, a, I had a professor, my favorite professor. One of my favorite professors at Bryan College was Dr. Gary Phillips. And, and, and Dr. Gary would uh, we'd go to Bible seminar classes my senior year after I would already graduated and came back, and that was the year. I didn't want to go to school. I just wanted to play basketball one more year. I had one more year eligibility, and I had to major in something, and I picked Bible major because I already had a Bible minor. But you know what? That God used that year to change my life, and I remember like being in that class, and I only had to take twelve hours. I was barely going to school, and um, and I it may have been less than that actually because I was a graduate. But I, I would well, we, we would walk around campus with him, and he'd say, "Let's go on a walk." And there'd be four of us in the class, a little bitty class. We would walk around the campus, and I got to know Doctor Gary. And and you know, it's no accident that uh, my buddy Mark Davidson, when he comes through. He lives over in North Georgia. When he comes to your Chattanooga, he's like, hey, let's get together. Let's go meet Dr. Gary at Panera. And we sit down with him. Why? Because I got to know Dr. Gary walking the campus at Bryan College. I got to know what he liked. I got to know his interests. I got to know his hobbies. I got to know the man from walking around that campus with that man. And that's just a quirky, simple analogy. But I want you to think about something here. We're looking at in your life, are you walking with God? Are you going on a journey with God whereby your heart is inclined to submit to whatever pleases God? I tell you, there's no doubt and no accident. We're going to see this next week. I think we're not going to have time to get to it today. He who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. We can't come to him apart from walking with him, and part of the blessings of his rewards— are the blessing uh, is the blessing of his presence is the blessing of his self revelation to us he, he he to walk with God I wanted to give you some passages that I found to be helpful you know we see in the Hebrews passage in the ESV pleased God and we see in the Genesis chapter 5 account of the ESV we see walk with God, and I thought, wait a minute, this passage stood out to me. Look what it says in Colossians one nine, And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, Paul praying for the church of Colossae, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we've looked at this before, but what appears to be happening, what does it mean that you be filled with the knowledge of his will? What it appears to mean is that you be controlled by the word of God. And look what the results are. He starts out at the end of this phrase, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, and then it keeps going. Now look at the next result. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Look at the next phrase. It is an interesting that both of those terms are used. Fully pleasing to him. This morning, I want to give you something I can say dogmatically. You can't walk with God apart from being submitted to his word. You can't walk with God. You can't journey with God. You can't fellowship with God apart from submitting to his way over your own. I don't know about you, there's been so many times in my Christian life where I just went through the motions. Went through the motions, and that's not healthy for a church with the pastor's going through the motions. And, and so many times there's been, there's been these places where, you know, it's just the grace of God, and it's all of grace. It's like even when those times have surfaced in my life, it's all of grace that God would even reveal that to me. Why? Because he's not finished with me. Why? Because he's committed to conforming us to the image of his son. Aren't you thankful? because this morning we could sit here and be overwhelmed by what we're not and what we're, you know, all this stuff. But what I'm getting at here is, it's like, I want to encourage you. We walk with God and it starts simplistically. It starts with a submissive attitude towards the will of God, which means man that leads your family, God it's going before the Lord and saying, God, I don't know how to be a godly man, but Lord... I'm going to read your word, and there's a lot of it I don't understand. But, Lord, whatever you show me, would you reveal to me how my life looks, and would you reveal to me how you want it to change? And would you give me the courage and the grace to obey you? And what begins to happen is you begin to read about relationships and go, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to treat my brother like that. And what happens? The Holy Spirit calls you to do what if we confess our sins? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And all of a sudden, a man's looking in the Word, and he goes, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to treat my wife like that. What am I to do? And I'm supposed to call her up and be like, Ann, look, will you forgive me? I was wrong. My my walk went completely against the ways of God. This is not rocket science. It's simplistic. It's the heart of a child desiring to please their parents. It starts out with a picture of, God, would you work? Enoch walked with God. He pleased God. He walked in submission to God. He trusted in the promise of God. I pray that encourages you because it's only by the grace of God that that can happen. But look at this. You know what hit me? I know I'm jumping around. Do you realize the joy of the context of Hebrews? It's because of the work of Jesus Christ because he's our great high priest that we have access to God this morning, friends. It's because that Jesus is supreme over all that we are invited to walk with him. Amen? And I'll tell you, I pray that what it would do is compel us this morning to bow our hearts before God and say, thank you. You, Lord, for the kindness that you've shown me in Christ Jesus. Uh, This morning, I'm going to close here. We're going to keep going. I never thought we'd get through one message on Enoch, I didn't know there was going to be a series. But uh, Colossians 2 6, I want to close with that. Colossians 2 6, I want you to see something here, Um, and I want you to be encouraged. Because, you know, it's the Holy Spirit that, that brings conviction, but brings the enablement to follow him. And, and it says in verse 6 of Colossians 2, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. This morning, what is it? What area of your life? Is God calling you, is exposing in your heart? Where is it? Wherever it may be, wherever it may be, I. Uh, he's good. You know, the grace of God, it, it, you, you, some people read the Bible as if God's got a stick in his hand just popping us on the wrist every time we turn around. But when we begin to see the gospel of Jesus, we begin to see grace upon grace. And we see that even in the days preceding the flood, there was a man in the Old Testament and a man that followed God and walked with him because of God's generous, lavish grace. This morning, I pray you would see the futility of why would we strive against God why would we strive against God? Why would we come against him? Because this morning, are we going to walk with him or are we going to walk with the world? Are we going to walk with him or are we going to walk after our own way? But I pray today we would look to Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that we start to see you in Enoch the picture of your grace that enables people to walk with you, to follow you, to know you, not just to know about you, but to know you. And I pray, oh Lord, that as we study this section and we study the the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, I pray that that would be seen in our lives. Lord, I pray that if there's any sin, any areas that, your spirit is convicting us of right now. I pray, oh Lord, we'd submit your way. We'd submit to your truth. And by your grace, we would follow after you and walk with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Be stand with me this morning. and